it, uh, it's going to be better when that cable works correctly <laughs> and the <laughs> mic stands match. <laughs> God. You don't like my mega mic stand? I like it. <laughs> like, I'm totally digging it. I just I feel like a chump because I was like, hey, come be on a podcast with me. Bring all your equipment. Can you, can, can you bring some headphones and a mic stand? And <laughs> <laughs> Really? Sorry. Like, Are you really that good at this? So you got the product placement right there. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Topo will be sponsoring soon. I feel like that's ah, the lights hitting funny today. Whatever. If I set this, dude, set it. Do whatever you want to. <laughs> Pound the thing. I the fact that that this thing is so massive, big. I I feel like we should zoom out a little bit so that <laughs> so that everyone can see how big it is. Let's do it. All right. What's up? Welcome to the first ever video podcast. This is number one. Yeah, I I didn't want to I didn't want to make you nervous. So this is the first ever video. Well, actually, it's not. It's I had two on my phone. This is the first one in this new room that my dad and I built together that literally we built this so I could do this. Not really, but that was what was in my mind when we did it. Have you thought about naming it? The room? Yeah. Uh, right now, we we either call it the new room or the white room, <laughs> which feels racist. So it's like, <laughs> but it's white still. So, it, yeah. yeah. Regardless, first ever live, not live, but it is on video, Stello Fellow video podcast where we talk about faith, fashion, family, and fitness. We're probably not going to talk a lot of fitness today. we're not going to talk about fitness today. <laughs> so oh, this, is, this is my boy, Destin Garner. And he is the teaching pastor at Rock Point Church yep. in Flower Mound, Texas, which is where I actually did the majority of my work in a church on staff as a pastor. I was there for almost eight years. Anytime somebody asks me, they're like, wait, you know Destin? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, how do you know him? And I'm, so I always kick it off with, well, I hired him <laughs> as our junior high pastor, which is a lie because they were going to hire him whether I liked it or not. And so... But I remember the interview process, and so Case Case gave me the most grueling interview uh, of my life, and and that was I went out to meet him in a camp. I don't know if you remember this, but like you and Ryan were on a golf cart, and Jamie and I sat on the back of it, and you guys were in the shade, and we were like baking in the sun. And, but that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was you had this little mini motorbike. Yes, <laughs> it's like two feet tall, and you're like ride it. It's all you said to me. <laughs> and I was like, I've never ridden a motorcycle. Now I got a two foot tall motorcycle. I got to ride. And so I did it. And I always tell people that's, that's how I passed. That was <laughs> it, man. All over. Yeah. We had this little white crotch rocket. If you guys <laughs> remember those, they're, they're miniature pocket bikes and it's a 50 CC that we took to camp that year. That, that year's camp was uh top gun was our theme or whatever. And so we had like jumpsuits and had this little, we literally got this little crotch rocket and rode around <laughs> everywhere. Destin shows up to interview and we're talking and so I'm like, bro, you got to get on this and ride this thing. And so, and Destin's not a small, I'm 5'7", you're what? 6'2". 6'2". 
that's a there's a gap, right? I was comfortable on the bike. He was not, but jumped on it. I think he had flip flops on. My first and only time on a motorcycle. That was it. That's it. I'm glad I could be a part of that. So, but Destin came in the last, I guess maybe two two years that I was there, and ran all the middle school ministry, and then I left, and he took over. So anytime I'm trying to def- like describe our relationship uh, in relation to Rock Point is that you are the version of me that they wanted. <laughs> and so <laughs> because here's the thing, like this guy is uh, really, really good at what he does. Um, came in and was the student pastor, oversaw middle school. And then when I left, he took over the entire thing. And I have I have yet to hear in the eight years you've been there. Is it eight now? Eight years, yeah. The eight years you've been there, I have yet to hear one negative thing from a former student or a family or anyone I have encountered. It, not only that, but just like, the, I mean, they l- not only love him, but he and I spend quite a bit of time together. Still, our families, our families being our wives and and us, do date nights. We go, we've gone to Europe together. <laughs> that was a blast. Like, yeah. there's there's not a lot of guys that I say, hey, I went to Europe with specifically this guy in uh Destin I'm just going to go guy. ahead and out case right now just on on the Europe travel. Um he's he's a phenomenal traveler, great friend, but he wants a hamburger no matter what country <laughs> he's in. Prague, Paris, he always <laughs> wants to eat a hamburger. So you've been outed now. I I will <laughs> never again eat a hamburger in Paris because that was when I sat down to eat that burger I was like this is not a burger. This is something distinctly different. <laughs> don't order burgers in Paris. <laughs> just Paris don't do it. And and then once we got to Rome on that trip, I really had expanded my horizons to like risotto <laughs> and the pizza and the pastas. So when we go to Europe now, you're all in, huh? I, yeah, I'm totally in. The burgers are like <laughs> I'll have one when I get home. Can you hear your mic in your headphones? Yep, sure can. Okay, can you hear me? I no, I can hear you outside, outside the headphone, it. but it isn't picking up, and I'm not sure why. Uh, but as long as you can hear it, it means yeah, it's on, yeah, yeah. it's connected, and we're fine. So, cool. and I can hear good enough. So what I'm bringing, I asked Destin a call and said, hey, will you be on this podcast with me? I, I've literally made a list of like 100 guys and just who am I, Who do I want to talk to from guys that are pastors? start from the top or the bottom? As from the top. <laughs> and uh, I flipped it over and, and started at the top. <laughs> so I said, who am I most likely to get? Yeah, yeah flip it. No. Um, and wanted to talk to, it's, it's a multitude of people that I want to bring on here and have conversations with about those four topics and there's pastors, there's people that were volunteers, there's former students, there are friends, there are business owners, there's coaches, just a gamut of people that I am wanting to have to come in and sit and have a conversation about, uh, specifically about faith and family and, and all those things. So I asked Destin to come in, and so I texted him and said, hey, I'm doing this podcast, would you want to be a part? And I'm thinking, he's like, heck yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> Instead, he was like, ah, I don't... I'll do it because it's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes, man, I, I, I'll do it because it's you. But he actually led with, like, I'm going to have to pray about it because I'm not sure how I feel about my thoughts just being thrown out there. My uh, unscripted opinions. There it is. Uh, not submitted to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so unscripted opinions today. But I went ahead and gave him, like, hey, here's what I want to ask you. And so I was trying to push. A, I was really pushing for a yes um, rather than just, Hey, I'm, whatever. Like, no, you're comfortable. You just don't know it yet. So what I gave him that we want to talk about today is, uh, like what's like, what's the happening in culture today? Like what's mm-hmm. the temperature of our culture, our society? Number two, what's the current state of the church? And then number three, like, what do we do about those two things? 
and to literally like our <clears throat> desire is to see anyone around us come to know Jesus and grow in their faith yeah. uh, to eventually spend eternity in heaven with him. And then while they're here now can live a life of man, I have trust in Jesus. I have hope. I have freedom. I have healing from sin, restoration, relationships, yada, yada, yada. So to start with, what do you see cultural wise? Like if you're going to say, I'm going to take a temperature on, what would you say that is? Yeah. Uh, just thinking about the culture, you know, I'm, I'm, keep such a, a narrow view, uh, uh, not fully, fully engaged there. Probably best, you know, even to talk about just church culture in, in addition to that. But, you know, just for me, probably my best culture connection is just late night after girls go to bed. I'm, I'm scrolling through Twitter and just kind of picking up on different news feeds and outlets and things like that. But in relation to the church, I mean, what I really see a very, a very much a distrust in the church. Um, you know, the church has been uh, 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 abandoned. I think we, we may be living in a post Christian society. Right. And, um, you know, there's a, a report that came out and I'll have to, to get it. And I don't know if you do show notes or tags or anything like that, but it's called like the greatest opportunity. And, and again, what we're seeing there the greatest is greatest opportunity. I think so. And, uh, I was at a leadership network event. I can send that over even, but, but there, they're talking okay. about it's the statistics where we've kind of all heard before, like, Oh, and we're going to lose a million millennials in the next 30 years, you know, a all million millennials from the church. They say it's somewhere around by like 2050, maybe 250,000 churches will close. Um, 250,000. Yeah. So again, I just go to that and go, I think there's a, a mistrust of the church where the church used to be central in, in, in culture and society and the life of family. Again, we just see that moving uh, farther and farther away. Um, so that's what I say. What I see in cultural relation to the church. Um, other thoughts about culture that I'm seeing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just <laughs> in relation to the church, that would be a big one. Okay. T- what do you think? Tell me again. That, what was the name of that thing you said? I was trying Is to pull this up. The greatest opportunity. Okay. Um, I was. As I have been listening to the world of social media and all that's happening, one, I have found just over the last kind of month and a half, two months of listening more, it's very insightful if you sit and listen to like who's having the conversation today and what are they talking about and then the substance of it and just hearing the different things that are coming out from people that are so-called experts in the world that we exist in as, as humans right now, like a lot of our attention is on our phone. And it, I mean, it really is. It's like it's a it's a significant amount of attention is spent here. I mean, there's a commercial on in a football game yesterday I saw and it was Will Farrow playing the dad of a family and the family is at the dinner table and the kids are like, Mom, we miss dad. And I don't know if you've seen this or not. It's hysterical. And she's like, yeah, I know. It's like it's hard not having daddy here. And they scan over. Well, Will's sitting there at the table, at the head of the table, and he's on his phone. And he's like, I can't talk right now. Like there's this new filter that get, makes me a cat. And he's like making faces. And it's he's like got a complete disconnect from the family on his phone. And, and obviously it's just a joke and it's funny. But at the same time, there's a lot of truth to that, the fact that our attention is here. Yeah. as dads, as moms, as high school kids, as fill in the blank. If they, ha- if you have a phone, your attention is directed there. Yeah, absolutely. I- I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's the world we live in. We're here. Great. Fine. Uh, obviously, at the dinner table, if you're a dad, put the thing away. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a phone basket. and either, They were like, put it in the basket. He puts it in the basket. But he's like, 
I can still touch it as long as it's in the <laughs> it's basket. In the basket yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my gosh, it's funny. Uh, it's, so as I'm listening to the conversation, of what's happening, and hearing like one of the big topics of today is parenting, mm. which is is really interesting mm. that our our culture has kind of run. For at least from what I see, like we've run kind of a full circle of all of a sudden people that aren't you would never think would be in the conversation about how to be a good dad is now giving advice on how to be a good dad. Mm. And you're like, why are what? you leaning into this? Yeah. yeah. And uh, listening to one of these guys who's talking and think and thinking, if you and I ever had the opportunity to sit down and actually have a conversation of substance, and I was trying to get to Jesus, I'm pretty sure you would get mad at me. Mm. Like, it probably wouldn't go well. Right. Now, I still, like, one of my goals is actually to get to that conversation with that guy specifically, but regardless. And so, but I'm listening, I'm like, this is a guy that's probably going to be very standoffish on the gospel, sure. and yet he's an expert now on being a dad. Yeah. So what you're talking about, like that distrust of the church, church and how many millions of millennials we will miss and how many hundreds of thousands of churches will close, and the mm. fact that there's not a trust there, what do you think is breaking that? That's a great question, Case. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that insight. Um, definitely thinking about what's creating the mistrust of the church. What we've seen, I mean, I hate to go to it, but it, but it is something that keeps surfacing in, in culture. It is is kind of the scandals, and uh, we've seen. Uh, I mean, there's not a day or a week or a month that goes by that you don't see another church pastor, mega church pastor. Yeah. Something happens to them, and and, and they're 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 alleged uh, some allegation, and so I think people go, you know, why would I? You know, it, it just seems like hypocrisy, right? You know, you say yeah. all these things and you put yourself in this position, but yet. Uh, we still see that you hold a secret life. So why would I run to you uh, for answers? In my humanist mindset, I feel like I could just do it better myself. You know, we've got the research, the science, and the data. And we'll just kind of uh, uh, science our way to the best parent possible rather right. than looking to, to God. We were sitting at a, a table the other day and uh, talking to a, a megachurch pastor here in Dallas. And uh, he, he just came up and he said, you know, I, I need a leave of absence. Like all of a sudden, just, just unbeknownst to his church take seven months leaves of absence, come back seven months, seven months. And he says, for wow. me to be a healthy individual, I cannot, um, pastor this church any longer. And so just immediately quit. Uh, and so what they did, the church said this <clears throat> talking about that. Uh, I'll never forget this line talking to one of the leaders in the church, that instead of having one senior pastor, they now did kind of five lead pastors and took that senior pastor's position, divided up over, it up over five. And they said, having that much power and responsibility, Either one, it will abuse you, or two, you'll abuse it. Or both. And I just thought that was uh, shocking to me. I had not heard someone say that. And so uh, I think when we see all these, these people kind of fall from grace, the, the allegations there, I think about that. Having that power can, can abuse you or you can abuse it. Yeah. And I think that's created a, a big mistrust to the church, especially on the parenting thing. I don't know that a lot of churches are leaning into that space. Um, yeah. of parenting. Um, that, that's, that's tough. That's hard. I don't know that churches think they have the, the market cornered on that. Um, some churches I've, I've seen, you know, really push for the family and ministry and, and they'll, you know, you and I've both been in student ministry before, but they'll just can student ministry and say, Hey, you know, yeah. we'll go back to ancient church model and, and say, baby's on up. Everybody's in service together. I yeah, feel that's, like that's a pendulum swing to the other side and not necessarily the, the right response to it. But, 
Yeah, I don't know of a lot of churches that are, that are doing just great, great, here's how to be a godly parent. Here's how to be a dad. Yeah. I <laughs> I want to run with that, what you talked about a minute ago, the pendulum swing. When I was fairly early in my student ministry career as a, as a youth pastor, there's a guy named Bodie Bauckham who was a huge voice in the community, and he's a huge man. And so, Vody, <laughs> you, you took a picture with me one time at a camp. You actually picked me up and were holding me on your shoulder. It, and, I, and I, like, literally, he leaned down and just picked two of us up and stood there as if he was hugging us, but yet we were sitting. My Both butt cheeks were on one shoulder. He's that big. I mean, the dude is freaking huge. And But a huge voice in the community. People loved him. He, they brought him out to speak all the time. Well, he made a major shift and said student ministry is actually unbiblical, uh, which was like, whoa. And now, he and I never talked about this. We never had a conversation. I did not live in a arena with a sphere of influence to be able to have a conversation like that or the balls to actually do it. Uh, I, I would now. I would love to have that conversation further to discuss it. But he made that really strong shift. And at, like as I watch that happen, and even now as I process and I look at churches that do that, which if that's what you do, great. Like lead the church you feel the way to and convicted to phenomenal. You have to answer to Jesus for how you shepherded. I don't. Uh, I have to answer how I shepherded the body that was entrusted to me. With that being said, I look at it and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if student ministry is wrong, there's an argument that the disciples were between the ages of like eight and 18. <laughs> Jesus had his own youth group, man. Like, he literally, Jesus point. did what you and I have done for, you know, the last uh, decade and a half. That's what he did. Yeah. And. <laughs> which is, and uh, yes, there's. They may have been a little bit older, but at the same time, it's probably that age group that we deal with. And they left home and weren't with mom and dad anymore, and they were with Jesus. Just uh, funny to make that argument. Um, but at the same time, as you, as you look at that and go, okay, what are the different things that we've done as churches to try to remedy one? Okay, like are we really taking over? the responsibility as parents or as a church to train parents to be parents. Um, I was, I'm going to throw a statement out and I'll let you respond to that. I think some of what we do as a whole, like church as a whole, and I'm not saying, and anytime I'm talking to somebody, I'm not specifically saying, Hey, your church is doing this. Destin and I served at the same church uh, together. And then I was there before he was, and he's been there since I've been gone. And so we served in the same area uh, and, and know that culture in the DNA. And so I'm not going like, hey, you're doing it wrong. What I'm saying is as a whole, at least from what I see and what seems to be true from the results, is that we as pastors are not pastors, leaders, elders, fill in the blank. Um, we're not shepherding the body uh in a way that allows a dad to go, like a dad specifically to go, okay, I'm now going to shepherd my home the way I've been shepherded. Example being, I think most men struggle with porn on some level. I, I, they just do. Studies have shown that the numbers are very, very high. Um, in, in fact, I read an article this last week that uh, there's now at least two universities specifically that have announced we are now having specific porn classes wow. to not only expose but to teach and encourage our college students mm. about how to use this stuff effectively. How to use porn effectively? Yeah, <laughs> which I'm, I'm gonna be honest, feels like an absurdity yeah. on a couple different levels. And I, I, I'm getting off track. Regardless, uh, going back to what I'm talking about, like th- with just that, 
are we doing everything we can to help a dad find freedom? And I don't mean like give him a book and say like, okay, here's your 12-step program and your sponsor, and then we'll see you after a year. But like, no, we are like full-fledged going to war on this issue so that dad can turn around and go, son, I can help you find freedom right. and, and show you, not just tell you like there's hope in Jesus, but I can show you how I found it and I can help walk with you as you go from being eight to being 28 yeah. and you seeing like, I understand the art of confession. I understand having that weight of responsibility. I understand taking things out of my life that looks like, okay, my phone does that. Maybe I shouldn't have that right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, thoughts on that? Like, are we shepherding, again, as a whole, are we shepherding at the level that we should that allows, in, instead of, I, I want to get to the hypocrisy in a minute, but, like, yeah. no, there is, like, there's a significant depth to what we're doing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you there. And, and just looking at the, the state of the church, and, again, the, the broad brush strokes, you know, I, I would hope that we would we would move away from the worship tainment where everything is Ooh, like you know, experts word. on a stage. That's the primary driver of the church. The primary driver of the church is, is evangelism. And, and I think secondly, discipleship. And so, you know, the question, are we equipping fathers uh, to lead their sons and out of pornography, for an example, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I think we have to have those, have those classes and, and to, to see secular organizations, so oh, you know, we're not having good father figures develop through the church. So maybe let's have something come up. Uh, I think that's the telltale sign of that. Um, you know, one of the things I, I think too that, especially for for in, for instances like that, the pornography. Um, you know, in our church, there was a guy who was willing uh, to 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 start the tidal wave. You know, right. someone who had to be bold and courageous, and whose identity is not found in their their past sins and shame but they know that their identity is rooted in christ he had to stand up on stage in front of a congregation of a thousand people uh multiple services and go i struggled with this and i'm owning it and i'm confessing it and it's not affected my marriage and what you'll see is like this one bold brave soul who sets the way other people respond uh in likeness to him we're able to start a class a a porn recovery class uh even at our church to, to do that and and yeah, I know some guys personally who've been in that class and who it has, it's set them free in a way that just sermon after sermon after sermon yeah. may not have. Yeah. With the art of confession, yeah, it would be, be huge there. I feel like I, I was in that room in that class. You know? <laughs> oh, wait. I'll tell you just a, a funny pornography story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, maybe we can edit that. <laughs> no, here's that's, the cool That's going to stay. There's the cool thing about what I do is that I have. <laughs> There is an elder authority in my life, not one, but like there's a there's a group of people that have <clears throat> that kind of oversight mm-hmm. in w- what I do and like the things I, that I say and then I put out that I post stuff like that. But at the same time, I, I don't have a pastor like looking over my shoulder like <laughs> ah, I just fired you. Just fired you. And yeah. so it's like, <laughs> let's go. It <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> so as one student, he, he comes to me and he, he says, Destin, uh, you know, I've. I've got a lust problem, right? That's what that's what he tells me. He, he's like, I'm struggling with masturbation and stuff like that. And so, um, so I, I I'm kicking it in gear, discipleship mode. Okay, let's you know, let's find the trigger points. What are the moments of the day? You know, are you alone? Do you have a TV in your room? Do you have right. you know full internet access? Kind of going through this. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, like maybe you need to get yourself in public more. Like if you're gonna study, don't study at home alone. Go study at a Starbucks so you can't. You know, there's not the temptation. Da, da, da. We we get to the end of it all, and he's like, no, dude, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just I just have lustful thoughts in my head. I'm like, 
Oh, this is like old school. <laughs> I had all these like, you know, put the filters on and remove the devices. And yeah. It's just like, no, I'm just thinking it. You know? No, so, it's just in my head. So I said, well, let me, let me pray for you. <laughs> okay. What, what was the, fo- like, was there a follow-up on that? And, and did you, did that kid end up going like, okay, this was a key piece for me to find freedom? Yeah, I think for me, I, I pushed him back to his dad. Is, okay. is what I did. Um, I, I know his dad. His dad serves as a church. This is phenomenal. This kid's excellent too. And so, right. you know, I, he came to me as a just, uh, I got to get this off my chest and tell somebody. And right. There's not going to be judgment that the Destin's probably going to push me in the right direction. I didn't have the relationship with him uh, strong enough to have this ongoing sustainable okay. discipleship. But his dad did. did absolutely. Which and is so, even better. Yeah, I mean, it was phenomenal. So I was like, you need to go tell your dad. That's awesome. And, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully, I know it's hard. Love it. <laughs> it's Dude, hard to fight lustful thoughts in your head. That is, you're getting a call from somebody named Pam. Some, some thing. Hey, Pam. Um, I, that, like, if, if you're looking for parenting advice uh, or just leadership advice in general, understanding the chain of authority in somebody's mm-hmm. life is significant. And... I found like once I ended up in a healthy spot in life and understood like, no, there are people that like, I don't get to pick who it is that I confess to. Like I have a group of guys that know me and and I always go there. But at the same time, there's also a, like my dad's no longer the authority in my life. Um, He used to be, and he and I have had like, I have that my dad knows everything. And so there were times when I had to be like, Hey dad, I need to tell you about when I was eight and what happened to me. Um, Like that convo sucked. Uh, but but understanding where to push somebody and understand like not everything's on you and I think that's one thing that like I wrote a I wrote a blog today and which the other day I finally realized I was trying to call everything I was doing articles and and uh, <laughs> it wasn't spoken word it was like uh, what are spoken words or something like that yeah. I wanted everything to sound cooler than blog and podcast and finally <laughs> I was like it's just a blog and a podcast that's what it is. Yeah. so I wrote a blog today that went out it's uh. <clears throat> it's titled lazy churches suck. <laughs> and then there's a follow up to it. That's be better. There's because it would have been really long. And so there's two of them that went out and originally it was going to be how to not suck. And I was like, I think I got to change it. <laughs> so I did regardless, uh, this idea of like how much responsibility is on us. And at the same time, not everything is on you. Mm. And going back to the idea of parenting and going, like, okay, I'm the student pastor and I've got this kid with me, but it's not my responsibility to fix this kid. My responsibility is to go, I'm going to shepherd the moment, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to go, where does the next step need to go? With every student, an issue like that, that needs to go to dad. Yeah, I want to be want to be what we call church-supported but home-centered. Yeah, you know, dad should be the shepherd of the home, and if dad's not capable, then, yeah, I'm going to do that in that window, and I'm going to try to make dad capable of it so that I can hand it off and go there so uh (laughs) but that's that's interesting that he's like no man it's 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 just just, (laughs) no device was helping yeah okay but mine started there when I was three I was like I didn't have a device but whatever it was 1983 I had a JCPenney's catalog yeah the the, the lingerie (laughs) section yes what yeah that brought back some memories right there uh that's unhealthy I want to go back. You said earlier you used a term called worshiptainment. I want to know where that came from and how often do you use it? I have no clue where it came from. Uh, I'm sure I just picked it up reading somewhere. That's Somebody awesome. Being sassy and spouting off their mouth. And, you know, there's a 
there's you know quick to get judgmental and, and maybe you get judgmental on things that, that you don't come up with or you're not as creative and so you know for their their pastors out there who are, who are trying to to push boundaries and, and, and engage the culture where it's at. I mean, you look at our culture, we're an entertainment culture. And so yeah. it's, it's all about comfort, ease, uh, quickness, uh, being entertained. And so I think, you know, the church, instead of leading culture, redeeming culture, sometimes we're reactive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's just a desperate grasp to be relevant. And so we would look at, hey, what's the culture doing and how can we be attractional? Uh, I'm not sure if the, we just have cooler stuff or, or we have, you know, stuff that's JV of culture that that's going to have people running to the church. But there's that worship tainment where it's just, uh, you know, everything just seems over the top. And, and I remember early on as a, as a, a young guy in ministry, someone said, what you win them with is what you win them to. Oh, and that has always stuck with me. And, uh, you know, I, wow. I want to win someone with the love uh, of Jesus Christ, with the hope of the gospel, with, with a, with a relationship uh, I, I don't just want to win them with, with something flashy and cool, and and, and I, I'm all about flashy and cool. But when that's made the primary attractional model, yeah, um, you have a hard time as, as a church or pastor always trying to one up yourself or, or to stay uh, up to a, you know multi gazillion dollar you know secular corporation. Yeah, and so so we just can't. There's something niche and unique about Christianity in the local church and, and that is this relationship this art of confession this is this love for one another um, and the hope of Christ and the good news of the gospel and so to let that be primary and shy uh, I think is there so when I was in Austin uh, I was there for two years working in the West Lake Lake Travis mm-hmm. area which is on the west side of Austin if you don't know that area it's called the super zips it's the wealthiest zip codes in the state of texas and which if you drive in you're like oh yeah i I see that (laughs) and at one point i am like it's i don't know within the first six to eight months that i'm there in having conversations and trying to figure out like what's a win what's not as you're serving under you know who it is that here's your elder authority movie recording has been stopped automatically we're pausing for a moment (laughs) Do, do we suck that bad? <laughs> the camera turned yeah. itself off. <laughs> Take two. And, uh, and again, the good news is that nobody's nobody cares. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's the cool thing about the 21st century and social yeah. media. Literally, they're like, film it with your phone. Go. It it's it like it really does so take the pressure raw. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm serving at this church and, um, I'll I'll make it as short as possible. I'm in the middle of processing, like what's a win and what's not, what are we trying to do and how do we get more kids in the room? Like that, that's always, if you're in a church that's, uh, that's got any success at all, meaning like there's people coming in the door, they've got buildings and they have money and a budget and a staff, you always feel that pressure to, am I growing? And who's coming and yeah, how many butts are in the seats and then how do we, how do we get them there and are they having fun? As I'm going through that, I'm, I ran across a video. I was meeting with two guys doing some like recovery for porn, like two guys that were in my youth ministry. And then in one of my small groups who said like, Hey, like we want help. And so we were meeting on a weekly basis and going through this process of finding healing. And as we sit down at Chick-fil-A one day, they're telling me a story. They're like, man, crazy stuff's happening at school right now all these guys are getting suspended there was a video of a underground party that came out and uh it got like somehow it got leaked and so they the school got a hold of it like 
literally going through the film like pause that kid pause <laughs> that kid detention like, yeah like suspending guys like guys getting thrown off the football team stuff like that it was crazy and uh they're telling me about it and it's an underground beer pong party <laughs> that has been going on this should be a national lampoon yeah movie yeah, because yeah. it's legit like i had a guy on my staff that was like yeah man like my senior year they started it like he knew the guy that started the thing and it gets passed down every year mm. who's in charge of this and so there's this party going on well i'm watching the leaked video they're showing it to me and it looked like a hollywood movie of like la mm. like high money high school party right, it yeah. was it literally was like I, I've seen this stuff on movies. I've never seen it filmed with a phone live. <laughs> wow. It was like, this is nuts. What's going on? Idea. And as I'm watching just the amount of beer, the amount of drugs, the amount of girls, the way that high school guys would like one, just like what was happening there, I realized, I was like, I can, I'm never going to outfun mm. where I'm at. Yeah. That's impossible. I'm never going to be able to, to do an event like the inflatable root beer uh float or keg party you can't do beer pong for jesus yeah that uh, works for a, a kindergartner in this place and and i like i was like i can't compete and so it was and i always knew this but this is when it hit me the heaviest was that if we're going to win jesus has to be real yeah and and jesus like the two guys i'm sitting with jesus has to radically change mm. their lives and then they have to invite people into that circle and then and it just has to keep going from there. And like Jesus has to move. And that's always been true. Um, what's interesting is when there are massive movements, it, it never seems to be connected with we did X, Y, and Z that matched the culture and all of a sudden we're successful. It literally was like there's a group of people that God radically changed their hearts and their lives and their relationships and they look completely different and they started inviting people in. Yeah. And then God moved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so. think for the disciples, it was those, uh, you, you just take uh, logos and change them to be Christian, you know, like, you know, Reese's to Jesus. Or something. <laughs> I mean, it might have been the Holy Spirit, but but also that, that witty witty branding and marketing probably, yeah. probably <laughs> yeah, I, helped it take off too. I, I feel like Peter, James, and John <laughs> were probably not quality marketers, you know? It's like somebody was, uh, not somebody, our pastor was preaching not this week, but last week, and he was talking about Peter after Jesus's uh, death and the pro like the time that he's he's waiting for like resurrection. He's not waiting; mm -hmm. like he doesn't really know what's going on yet. Um, but that period of time where it's like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like he'd been following Jesus for three years, thinking one thing's going to happen, something completely different happens, and he fails miserably in saying like I don't even know this guy. Mm -hmm. And so he goes back home and he starts fishing again, and uh, the the depth of embarrassment that that man must have felt coming back home, <laughs> similar to like a kid that goes off to play D one college ball, yeah, never ends up starting, analogy. doesn't make the NFL, finishes school and comes back home. And they're like, what are you doing, what are you here? doing here? Yeah. And just that like disappointment of like, I let everybody down. I completely failed. And, um, I don't even know why I'm telling this story right now, but like that hit, I, cause we were talking about like their marketing skills, the fact he's like, I guess I'm going to go fish again. <laughs> and then Jesus comes in and is like, no. Told their story. I, yeah, it's something completely different. And As you were talking about, like, the difference between, like, the, you know, the, the entertainment that's attractional. It's just fun, fun, fun. And there's no way the church can ever outfund the culture. Yeah. And, and the real hope of Christ. I'm reminded of a time I was with Donald Miller at a conference. And, and Donald Miller wrote, 
my most famous book that I read of his was, was Blue Light Jazz. Okay. And so he's telling this story of a, a father who approaches him uh, after one of his sessions, and the dad's like, oh, my daughter's got this girlfriend, and he's such a bonehead, and, and I hate him, and I wish she would dump him, but she just, like, loves him, and da 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 and Donald is all about story. And so he came back right. to the dad and he said, you know what you got to do is you got to give her a better story to live in. He's mm. right now, she's living in this great story of romance. They can run off together and get married. And he's like, and what story are you giving her to live in? Clean up your room, yeah. clean up your clothes. And so the dad goes back and he says, here's what I did. We sold everything and we like moved to Ecuador and became missionaries. Now we're like changing the world. And she dumped that loser boyfriend because now she has a, a greater story to live. Oh, in. my gosh. And so when we look at the church, sometimes you go, is what we're doing on Sunday and throughout the week, is it giving anyone from, 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 from birth to adults a greater story to live in? Or is it just a moralistic therapeutic deism? You know, just do good, tithe, wow. take care of your family, da, 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 da. Or is it this life transformation, life changing yeah. uh, a gospel practice? And so, again, it's not about the fun. You know, there should be fun. There, there's joy and satisfaction yeah. in community, but yet uh, this incredible story uh, of change. What, tell me, his name's Donald Miller? Donald Miller. He okay. wrote the book blue like jazz gee man, that that right there that statement right there like so i went home we sold everything we moved to ecuador i gave her a better story to live in yeah <laughs> that's but that's that's not that's like that's so, blowing the roof <laughs> off the story that literally that's an extreme case yeah yeah and that but that's like that's it that that's the thing that i think we miss sometimes as a church as where like you were talking a minute ago and you're like the level of hypocrisy is pretty deep when allegations come out, pastor scandals, things like that. One, we don't, I don't think we handle those appropriately as a church. And uh, from the way that we communicate what happened to what we then do with said pastor when it does happen. And it's like, there's so many areas we miss on. And and then just to go from that kind of concept and then move it over and go, we, for whatever reason, don't, um, like we don't process what we can do and just go, I mean, it's it's like a startup company. I ran across this guy who does um, some stuff in social media. He's a pastor. He's a social media guy, videographer, fill in the blank down in Austin. And he did a video the other day talking about how we don't maximize what we have access mm. to in sharing the gospel. Yeah. And to which I started thinking about it and I was like, and, and he even said like, you have to think of it like a startup. Hmm. When, like when I, if I'm going to sit down and somebody's going to go, hey, like I want to start a hat company, which I did. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you should you should be wearing one. Yeah, which <laughs> I thought about putting it on and I didn't. Um, I, well, I'll share about that later. But it's like, okay, if I was going to start a hat company and that's what I wanted to be successful at, what would I do? Like, would I just make a product and build a website and like maybe once a week or maybe once a month I'll post on Facebook, hey, I have a hat, yeah. you know, link. No. Like you would like you would make your product, you build your website, and then you would spend hours every day mm-hmm. pounding the pavement on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, on 
Twitter on fill in the blank, I would I would send out a thousand hats to different influencers to go, hey, will you wear this hat? Here's what's There's behind it. Up. All this kind of stuff. Like I would I would just be giving crap away. I would call every day. I would be calling a new like a conference or a sneaker con type place or whatever and going, how do I set up a booth? Yeah. How do I fill in the blank? How do I get in front of? I would be driving to game day on Saturday, the show, <laughs> to sit there with a sign, hold it up, and the hat. Put it on, Lee. Yeah. yeah. It's like how many different ways can we expose this? thing like mm. that like the people that are successful at startup companies that just blow up like phil knight and nike he thought in in so much bigger terms than we yeah. do to yeah. go if you don't know the story of phil knight like he's like 25 he just graduated from stanford and he's like i want to start a shoe company so he hops on a plane travels the world goes to china walks in the door <laughs> of this place and goes hey tiger i want to sell shoes in america is that cool and they're like, do you have a company? And he lied. He's like, yeah, it's called Blue Ribbon. <laughs> and he went home, and six months later, he got a box of shoes and started selling them, and it started from there. Wow. That literally is how it started. But we don't think like that no. with the gospel. Because it's, you know, what, what I'm listening to in that story, it's like, if you've got a hat company, it's it's life or death for you. Yeah. You know, I've got to do this or it's not going to succeed. And, and when it's just, oh, I've got 17 other streams of income, and I think I'll do this hat thing. Yeah. It's yeah, it doesn't matter. That's like Donald Miller shares the story, and, he, and the the answer is like the only thing that's important is my daughter. Mm. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so I literally I will sell everything and go anywhere yeah. to yeah. salvage this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how we have to handle. Like, what are we doing as a church, and why? Mm -hmm. And we like, how do we get there? So Tanner, if you ever date a loser, you might wind up in Ecuador. Ecuador. Now, you're, now your dad knows. Sorry. <laughs> so right, right now, I'm trying to tee it up, and have been. I've really been. I literally have spent four years in a direction, uh -huh. and that direction is the person that she actually texts back and forth with. So I like. I have worked very hard <laughs> to like. How do we keep this I, thing? I like grapevine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which I do like grapevine and I like what I get to do, but if I have to move to Ecuador, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll do, do it. It yeah. doesn't matter. Um, another thing that you said earlier, you said the primary purpose of the church is the second thing you said was discipleship. The first thing I thought you said worship, but I, but I don't know. Evangelism. There. Uh, that's okay. I think, I think it has to be, it's the, the, the great commandment, the great commission, you know, uh, we gotta go, gotta go share the gospel. Um, give me, uh. Because you're a pastor and you stand on stage and you share the gospel consistently from that position, when you're when it's all said and done and you're standing there with Jesus and he says, like, Destin, what do you like what do you wish you would have shared more? Mm. And not that he's gonna say that, but if he did, what would that be? Mm. From the stage? No. Like, like life my life you, you can include the stage but like literally like start to finish i i used x amount of words i wish i would have man that's a great question case for me the the passion that god has laid on my heart i mean it it is his word period i think his word is a you know it it's the dunamis the dynamite it is it's the only power to save and uh so i want that to be quick on my lips um yeah i was just telling a, a, a story to someone the other day we're, we're, we're getting ready to 2020 go back to new york city take our high school students there uh the the missionary church planner there came down and led worship for us this past sunday okay. and so kind of brought up these feelings and emotions and and 
there it's such a difficult trip because so many times we go on mission trips and it's just somebody needs a sandwich somebody needs a blanket somebody needs their their yard cleaned and this was nobody needs anything except the gospel and so the guy his name's boto he just said go out and share the gospel and by the way we're in jackson heights the most ethnically diverse city in all of america with uh people from nepal and bangladesh and pakistan and and so i'm playing just ball uh in the park and uh, this guy's a, a former Catholic, and it's just me and him kind of one-on-one shooting around, and we start talking about uh, uh, how do you know if you're good enough? And um, you know, he just thinks he's, he's going to do enough good to outweigh the bad, and he's not really certain about his eternal destiny. And so I say, man, here's what the, the Bible says. You know, It says that none of us are good enough, that we, we can't make it. You know, We don't have a righteousness of our own. It is 100% reliance on Christ and his righteousness applied to our life. And, and so I got to pray with him there in a, in a park in the Bronx and uh, in, or in Queens, Jackson Heights. And he moved from death to life there in a park playing ball. Dude. And um, so you asked me, what do I want to share more of? I want to do more of that. Yeah. You know, from, for me in my context, I, uh, I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, I'm around a lot of Christians. And, and uh, probably something I just need to be better at getting around. Uh, non-Christians, you know, I've got neighbors who who uh, uh, really need. He came over the house the other day, scared the crap out of me. I'm doing some smoking <laughs> on the big green egg, and he just like runs up and uh, he watches this sitcom that's a British thing. So I'm not a pastor to him; I'm the dishy vicar, right? And so he comes over to the dishy vicar's house, and 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 they're they're lost and far from God. But he's like, my mom's getting old; she's got all these stuffed animals. I thought the dishy vicar might know somewhere we could take these right. animals. And so we're just trying to open a door there. But I mean, you asked me, like, what do I, what I want to share? For Christians, I want them to get it right, to not have this uh, cherry-picked, uh, synch- synchristic theology uh, where we take, you know, kind of the gospel that's watered down in the world and, and apply it to my life, and the prosperity gospel. I, I want to, to, to free Christians from that and just yeah. good, true knowledge and a theology. But then those who do not know Christ, I just want to share the hope. So, man, if I had to stand in front of Jesus and be like, yeah, for the, for the Christians you entrusted into my care, that they they knew your word and loved you better uh, because of the words that, that you chose to allow me to speak. And, and for those who, who didn't know that just like that guy on the ball, ball court, you know, he would, uh, he would move from death to life. Hmm. I love it. Um, the fact that you said Jackson Heights <laughs> and then let us all know that it's in Queens shows your uh your travel knowledge <laughs> and what what you've been exposed to when i was up there i, I had a uh, ate at a, a taco place, a Michelin star restaurant. It was like a Michelin star. And uh, me and my buddy, we had cow tongue tacos. Dude. And uh, so, love me some Jackson Heights. Was the it good? Cow- it was phenomenal. It's a fatty, delicious, juicy really? piece of meat. Yeah, we'll go sometime. Okay. <laughs> Get some cow tongue tacos. I I really have. I know that you're knocking me about the burger, <laughs> but I I have moved into like, if I'm somewhere, then I'm like, okay, like culturally, let's try it because when is the next time I'm going to be here? So... And some of the best stuff yeah, is like, it's you're like, crazy. ah, okay, here we go. Um, let me look back through here and take it. Like, I'm just, I'm typing and thinking because I don't want to interrupt you while you're telling a story and then wrapping back. Well, you know, one of the questions you asked me too is like, well, the, the future for for the church. Right. And, and, and we got on this parenting, and I wrote this down in my notes thinking about this. It's just like, one thing, Case, that, that I long for, even as a pastor, as a guy who's supposed to kind of know, is, is, the, literally like a discipleship packet from my from my girls i have a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old and I, I would love you know part of part of it is there's 
uh, so many resources out there. Mm-hmm. But I would love for when, when Bryce turns four, that the church hands me this like, oh, here's what you need to do in her fourth year. Right. Here's, uh, you know, right now we're, we're trying to do catechism, even at, even at three years old. I've got a little catechism thing on our mm-hmm. table, and we're going through that. But to know that resource, to know Jesus' storybook Bible, I, I love music, and I want my girls to love music, and I want to connect it to worship music. So, yeah. But I don't know kids' worship. You know, I, I love just my kind of worship. So even if the church said, hey, here's a discipleship packet, here's books you could read, devotions that are appropriate, catechisms, here's a couple of playlists on Spotify that would be perfect for them. Right. Uh, just uh, what questions and topics should I be studying and wrestling with? Uh, and again, maybe I'm oversimplifying that because I haven't worked through that. Uh, but even as a pastor who's in the know about discipleship material yeah uh i still kind of crave that and have to go out seeking it and finding it and so putting putting the cookies on the bottom shelf and making it easy for parents going like hey this year here's two books this devotion these playlists yeah you know have at it but huh no that's strong um somebody i've always really respected in that arena is joe edwards mm-hmm. who uh, he, he's the one who gave me the catechism book. <laughs> I, I, when you said it, I was assuming. <laughs> I literally was assuming. So, Joe, if you're watching this, shout out to you, buddy. You are literally one of the guys I respect the most in life. I'm not a, kidding. I, I've got I've got a goal to beat Joe. So Joe told me, yeah. he goes, I gave this to you. He goes, we only got through. There's like 150 questions, you know, you know, call and response. Right. And he said, we only got through 88. And so, Joe, I'm, I'm trying for 89 with my girls. Too, I am so shocked I can, that he so didn't I can finish. Say, <laughs> shocked that he didn't finish and add it to it. Than the Edwards. <laughs> uh, well, if anybody, like if anybody should head up Hey Dad program in the church, it should be Joe. Yeah. I yeah, he's phenomenal. I will I will stand behind that statement forever. Um and and one of the things he did was just really intentionally every day from start to finish and they still have they still have one in the one house. Mm-hmm. Um but just I mean his amount of effort and intentionality that he put into raising his kids that way is very similar to that like I sold everything and I moved to Ecuador. Yeah. And he's yeah. not just raising his kids that way. Like, so I talked to him and his daughter's dating someone in college. And right. so Joe's like, oh, I'm going to disciple that young man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that guy's coming over to the office once a week. And I mean, what a great, just to say, not only my kids, but maybe my kids' future. Yeah. I'm make sure that that's. Joe doesn't that's stop. Incredible. Yeah. He, uh, a ton of respect for him. And that's a, that is a great resource to be like, hey, if like if you know a great dad, ask him questions. There's nothing wrong with oh, that. Yeah. Like just like anything else. Like if somebody's really good at what they do, hey, help me out and fill in the blank with to make me better at that. Um the when I sent you that text originally. Culture, stay the church, what's next? Yeah, the what's next part. What y- you alluded to when we first started this conversation, there's a million plus millennials leaving the church and 250 plus thousand churches will be closed by, I think you said 2050 was the number that you put on it. And, and us beginning to realize that the millennial generation that we have slammed for the last decade in all kinds of different ways Mm -hmm. in the next five years, they are going to make up my computer just messed up. Okay. We're good. Um, They're going to make up like 75% of the workforce, the buying power, and the voters wow. in our nation, which is okay. okay. Maybe our attention should have be been focused a little differently. 
uh, you know, in, in that area and what we do. And at the same time, the, sh- the ship isn't going to turn in a week from mm. where we got today. You know, yeah. in the last, let's say, 40, 50, 60 years, as there's, there's been a problem and a, and a negative shift in the church mm-hmm. and the culture and what we're doing, it's going to take time to shift it back. I think that starts with, like, number one, like, draw a circle around me, Jesus. Tell me everything yeah, that's wrong so with good. it and change it and then help me to invite somebody in. Mm. If... If just pastors would do that, mm-hmm. I think the next five years would look radically different. Radically different, yeah, yeah. And, anyways, what if you were gonna do? If you would say, "Hey, there's these three things that I would change about <clears throat> our church and how we in your church or the church as a whole, I would change about this that I think that would fix the trajectory." What would it be? Or one? Yeah. Maybe church in general, and then I'll try to think as I talk and uh, get more to my specific context. Number one, I you know I feel like a, like a trend emerging in the church is is that the church is almost going to need to get smaller to get healthier. Yeah, and um, you know, multi site is uh, I don't know I don't know if it's new I don't know if it's old I mean I think the first multi site was like 1995 or something like that and so. You know, even just in the way culture shifts, uh, I mean, I don't even know if the iPhone was invented then, you know? And so multi-site is starting to get, and, and some of the fastest growing churches are still multi-site. Yeah. But yet, as I'm talking to some pastors, there's a church, I think it's in Tennessee, Mecklenburg, and they call it the Mech. And uh, they just had six multi-sites, and they said, uh, well, they didn't use these terms, but I'll say it, screw it, we're done, we're canning all the sites, and everybody's yeah. coming back okay. uh, to the mothership. And it's such a fascinating thing. They're like, why in the world would you do that? And, and reading through their blogs and, and uh, their articles, as you like to say. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I gave in. I, yeah, I said it's, they it's said a it blog. Just so much time and effort and communication and stress. They just said, we want to pull back in here, and we're going to take all that and really focus on, on digital. Like you said, it, it, it's the screens. It's the phone yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm going to pause you one second. Yeah. What church did you say it is? It's Mecklenburg. Or Mech, M-E-K, M-E-C-K. Uh, I'm getting a Mecklenburg, New York. Yeah, I thought it was Tennessee, but that could be No, I, like, I'm getting a town, Mecklenburg. Or, Here it is. I'm good. Go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. So that was one. Uh, you know, another one talking to another church pastor who'd done the multi-site thing. He said, we, we asked him, if you could do it all over again, what would you do? And he said, I would still do campuses, do multi-site, but I would try to get them as autonomous as possible. Yeah. And the third conversation I had with Boto, who's in New York, he's doing a, a training program with Tim Keller and Alan Hirsch. And Alan Hirsch is on, it's the house church. That is the future of the church. It, it's, it's the Hubbards and the Garners, and we get a few of our closest yeah. friends, and we do church right here in the, in the white room. Um, and so, you know, Tim, he would say that Tim's not as, 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 as stringent on that. But it does seem like there's this, uh, even a church in our own area, case they, they, they raised money, a capital campaign, to shrink the sanctuary because they had yeah. built such a big sanctuary and they needed to get it smaller. And so I feel like there's something, maybe a, a mistrust in, in this huge corporate organization, and, and there's a pulling to just uh, small and relational and being known and authentic, right. uh, the practice of confession. So, man, what's the way forward for the church? I would say maybe just finding uh, health in smaller numbers. You can't come in. You can't be anonymous. You, you're known, uh, fully known and fully loved. And so uh, that may be one. Mm. Um, 
not to interrupt you, but to interrupt no, you. please. Uh, Francis Chan wrote that book, Letters to the Church, hmm. that he wrote after being a mega church pastor, very successful, moves to China, moves back and says, hey, like, I think we're doing it wrong, hmm. writes a book about how they're doing it now. And it's all the whole model is based off of the house church model where it's like they have 20 to 25 people in a, in a house church. And as soon as it gets over that, they split it in half house and church. send off. They're always training two pastors. There's two pastors that are leading who are training, excuse me, the next two pastors. And when it grows hmm. to a certain point, they split it, send them. And what he said that awesome concept, phenomenal. Um, and at the same time, it doesn't mean that churches are doing it Should wrong right. if they don't. don't do that, yeah. Does it work? Yeah. I think the cool thing about that is, one, he says one of the huge benefits is they're mobile. And they can go anywhere at any time. And so it's like, hey, there needs to be a church in you know, this community in Phoenix. I can look at these people and go, hey, y'all need to move. And they <laughs> can sell go. their house and move. <laughs> And and, yeah. and literally, like that's it. it. You don't have to like raise money and all this stuff. It literally is like pick up your bags and go, and being able to be that mobile. In the number two, there's there's zero overhead, and so yeah. do they give? Yeah, he said at one point they drained however many bank accounts they had. They took however many, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. They drained it all and went and built an orphanage somewhere, wow. and like and it didn't like it did not impact. Mm-hmm. the fact that they had worship on Sunday and that right. they sh- still shared the gospel and they still met as a, uh, a, f- a family and as a body and, and moving forward. Uh, and, and that idea of, again, that kind of thinking outside of, hey, we're constrained by X, Y, and Z because this is how we've done it the last mm-hmm. 60 years. We're not. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and yeah. it's one of those, it's like, what if we did sell the building, the church that shrank? <laughs> what if we sold, sold it? it? Yeah. And then uh, what would we do next? I don't know. But what if we sold it? Can we sell it? Yeah. Well, yeah. what's what's better? Raise more money to make it smaller or sell the thing and mm-hmm. then figure out. I, I, yeah. it's, it's interesting that we just feel like this, like we got to do this yeah. instead of there. there is no limit. Right. To what could be done. Yeah, like there's this one pastor, uh, just read an article on him. He's doing virtual reality church. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I, I absolutely love it. Who is that? Uh, I, I don't know. You can look up virtual reality pastor and okay. uh, he'll, he'll pop up. But um, I, I, yeah, here's what he said. This was amazing That's case. Funny. He goes, brick and mortar building. Who is going to walk into my church? There's a select number of people that will do that. There's some people who just don't feel comfortable. But you throw on a pair of VR goggles. He's yeah. like... So on Sunday morning, he puts on a pair of VR goggles and he starts preaching. Well, everyone who's in virtual reality, no matter where they are in the world, they can kind of they'll just walk into his church and there's no harm there, right? You know, you're you're in virtual reality, so you're just like, sure, I'll come in and listen to this guy, right? And so he's literally starting a, a virtual reality church, which I just think is uh, so pioneering. It's so interesting. And, Bishop and, DJ Soto. There you go. He's the <laughs> bishop and apostle at VR Church. If you want to check that VR out, church, yeah. Uh, Wow. Oh, no, I've never been to virtual church. Okay, so this the <laughs> staff the staff for virtual church is much different. You don't have a children's pastor and a worship pastor. You have a you have an employment brand manager at Facebook. <laughs> you have an executive director at C V Outreach. Uh his dad, Victor Soto, apparently US Army vet and Department of Labor. That there guy's legit. Yeah. Don't mess with him. Uh He'll kick your virtual butt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have never heard of this. So, that's, you know, you're, you're asking me, like, what, what, 
would would my church even be doing better? And That's what it looks like. Yeah, no, and I think about this. I'm like, I wish we could show that. Why not? Yeah, there's virtual church for you. <laughs> you can zoom in. It's like little characters. Okay, go ahead. Just no, just just uh, pioneering the, the digital frontier. And um, you know, I had this thought in my mind, like, how could we disciple someone who never steps foot into the church? You know, could could we? Do we have content? I mean, I, I do sermons, and they get put online, but are they published? And, and are we teaching theology? How do you foster a sense of community and that, that confession? And how do you equip people to be their parents who who would never step foot onto your campus? And so, um, so when he says step foot into your church, it means like the actual building, yeah, brick and mortar, walking there. in the door, yeah. yeah. So yeah, just thoughts there. I th- what I do think is. If we were to do those things well, oh, crap. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> At least the battery's not dead. Yeah, no, it's a good battery. I, what I do think is if we were to do the right things well, mm-hmm. meaning if, if we truly did share the gospel every time we had the opportunity, if we truly dealt with our sin appropriately every time we messed mm. up, if we really knew the scriptures well, if we prayed a lot, if we gave our money and our time and our energy when when we saw a need, and it wasn't just, I mean, I'm an advocate of giving your money to the church. I think you should do that. Yes, please, give your local body. And at the same time, I think that there are times you look and go, hey, there, okay, there's a need here. I want to meet that need Absolutely. inside that. Well, then, then do that. I think if we lived in community with other people, and I don't mean like a house where you have eight families living. I don't think that's safe. But uh, it, you've got five guys who know you well, that you do confess to, that they give wisdom in your life, that you sit down with your finances and go, we're thinking about buying a house. Here's our finances. Here's here's what we're looking at. And they tell you yes or no. And then you submit to that kind of authority. Um, and, then, and then we serve with, like we serve the body, whether it's at church or whatever aspect that you plug in and go, this is how I'm taking how God gifted me and I'm using it to, to make the kingdom bigger. If we did those seven things better than anybody, mm. the guy that would never step on campus is going to step on yeah. campus. Like yeah. that's when there's going to be a change. And I, and I don't think it's one of those that we really need to, I think it's awesome that we're rethinking some things and we're like, how do we use virtual reality? How do we use the phone? How do we use fill in the blank to engage with this culture the way that their attention is and where it's at? Like, where are their eyes and where are their ears? I think that's phenomenal that we're having those talks and doing things about it. But at the same time, it's it's almost like branding. Like, it doesn't matter what the name is. You make the brand. Right. Oh, that's good. And if we do that... Like when Jesus actually gets in the room, people show up, mm-hmm. and and I think that's like if if you don't have some of those stories with consistency of like this guy shouldn't be here, mm. G- Jesus may not be in the room, yeah. which is like did you just say that I did? Like I know that when two or three are gathered, he's in the midst, and at the same time, there's a significant difference when there's two or three people who are all in with Jesus. It's different than two or three people yeah. that prayed a prayer when they were nine and yeah. they just kind of play this game for sure so anything else that you wanted to add no just if you, mm, no i just stumbled and said a bunch of <laughs> garble on your podcast <laughs> this is awesome <laughs> we're gonna use that as a sound bite <laughs> yeah that may be the, the theme <laughs> no looking over as I'm, I'm thinking 
praying about it. Uh, that's it, man. Cool. Destin, thanks, man, for, for jumping in. I appreciate you twisting my arm and reaching out. I mean, Case always brings out the best of me. And so uh, he's a good brother, good friend. And I'm looking forward to all the good content and other great stuff you're creating on here. I love it. Hey, if you live in Flower Mound or close by, you don't have a place to go, go to Rock Point, uh, introduce yourself to Destin, let him know that you saw this and you are looking for a place to connect. Phenomenal (coughs) church family, body, pastors, the whole thing. Destin's my man. And we will see you next time on the Stello Fellow podcast that's a video. Is that a, is it a, do you call that a podcast? Is it a video? What, what if you call it a vodcast? You know, they have those things they call blogs, and I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Hey, y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Take care, bye. And... Boop. Stop. Have fun, man.